Greetings, salutations, felicitations, aloha, and all, uh, howdy. There's a good one. We'll throw that one in there. And other things that I can't think of, but I'll work on for future podcasts. It's Chris talking to you from the studios of WFC3. This is Monkey Business. Thank you once again for hanging out with us. We're happy to see you. Happy to hear from you. Um, well, you're hearing from us. Who cares? But in the studio with me, as always, Billy DeTori. Hello. Tanya Metris. Hello. Tony Bicata. Konnichiwa. And on the phone, Deanna Schulmerich. Hello, people. And our expert of all things, Sybil Corbin. Hi. <laughs> She's like, wait a minute, that's pressure. And also joining us for her first time in the studio, but not the first time with us in our hearts, it's Kelsey Grape, our, our intern, one of our favorite interns, one of our favorite people in the, on the planet. Hello. She's like, yeah, no, no, don't stay. You're buttering me up. Hopefully Why are you buttering me up, Chris? Hopefully we don't have to fire her like we had to fire Becca. Oh, Becca got fired ago. like four times the last session. Oh, yeah. It was what? amazing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Guys, you scared me. Not Billy. No, <laughs> no we're not firing Billy. Oh. No, yeah. we, we fired Becca because she said something about... Not knowing... No, I... she said something about Phantom Menace or no, something. No, that was me. Was that you? guys you? fired me because I uh, made, I did I a Jar Jar. That's right. That's what it was. But I know Tony Becca, Becca got Be- canned a couple of times and then rehired and then fired and then rehired because that's the so, life of an so intern. So, Kelsey, I think you're safe for at least right now. Yeah. We'll fire right. Tony first. All right. Well, okay. see, Kelsey has a special special place in the... the uh, the, the hierarchy. She's actually Dan's. She's Dan's intern. Oh, so I so can't Dan's fire the only her. person who can fire her. You know. <laughs> so you can fire Tony. I fire I, Becca. Exactly. Yeah. I can also fire Emily, but she never. She's never around to fire anymore. <laughs> That's probably a good thing for her. Yeah. So anyway, so that happened, and uh, so welcome yet, and yet you, you can see just how we we treat each other on a regular basis. We it's love a little, each other. Little family here. We do. Uh, so today's topic, we're going to do another one of our foundations since we're still early in our podcasting series. Uh, we've done some foundation chats about Star Wars and Star Trek, the big things, the foundation concept about you know comic books and the history of comic books and, and Marvel Universe and DC Universe and stuff like that. Today's going to be another foundational uh, discussion. We're going to talk about one of the, in my personal opinion, cult one of, followings. Cult following, one of the biggest cult followings, one of the biggest science fiction shows on television ever. And you can you know tell it's, it's my favorite because I'm kind of tr- trumping <laughs> it up so much. Mess of timey wimey, <laughs> wibbly wobbly stuff. <laughs> the adventures of the the one and only last of the time lords, Doctor Who. Who? You know, not not Doctor What, Doctor Who. Doctor <laughs> there it is. And this is how much of a, of a Doctor Who nerd I am. I actually know that that's from the fourth Doctor. I know that's the theme <laughs> from Tom Baker's era. I can see there the opening no in words. my head. There are no there words. Really no there words isn't. Today. Yep, there it is. I like this. There's just something, you know, almost like ethereal about that music. It's like giving me chills already. I was listening to this while writing a paper the other day. We <laughs> <laughs> say music helps you work. Oh yeah, it does. Now, this show is is now well over fifty years old at this point. Uh, it started in nineteen sixty three. It did. It, it didn't have a ton of fanfare because it unfortunately it's 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 beginning uh, is hand hand in hand with a rather tragic and dramatic point in, in our U- U.S. history, it was airing its initial episode the same day that Jennifer, John F. Kennedy had been assassinated. Uh, so that's that's how far back the history of the show goes. It. They did delay mm-hmm. it. But then they re-aired it. And then they re-aired Exactly. I did. Look See, at those listen stuff to today. you. Yeah. I'm so proud of you. I like Google. With the, the, with the very first episode was, was uh, titled The Unearthly Child, and it first started centering around the the young woman, Susan, who was the, the doctor's granddaughter. At least she always called him grandfather she made it the implication that she was from the same planet uh as the doctor and so they traveled for a little while and then she eventually went her on her own way 
didn't they uh, originally set it up as like an educational program? For it kids? was it was going to be basically it was a children's show. And it's going to be where in the world is San- Carmen San Diego? Exactly. Wait, kind of the kind of thing. Where in the world, the world wow. is the doctor at this point? And, and you'll see that like with the title of the first uh, of show, many of the shows in the first couple of seasons, you know, with Marco Polo and the Aztecs and. Uh, and there was a variety the the gunfighters. They were, they went back to the old west, the OK Corral. So there was a lot of uh, the original shows were geared towards bringing children into these settings so they could see a little snippet of history. And then along the way, you started introducing him, you know, to some of the classic monsters that we still know in in the mythology of Doctor Who. The very second episode was well, not the very second, but the, you know, the second major episode was the Daleks. Okay. Yeah, which with the the big salt shaker, you know, you know exactly the, the salt shaker down, on meals. can with a uh, plunger on exactly. it. Exactly. Don't forget the whisk. <laughs> and you know <laughs> the the funny thing is is, is um, I can't think of uh, the original producer's name. Sid- Sydney. Oh God. There was oh, Verity Sydney Lambert. Newman. Sydney Newman and Verity Lambert. Verity Lambert. It was, it was almost unheard of in the '60s to have a woman being executive producer of a major show. And here she was bringing this entire show to life. And she, she stuck with it for quite a long time and is tributed for a lot of the big ideas that, that made the show, allowed the show to survive over the years. Now, Sidney Newman had a rule for her, no bug-eyed monsters. And sure enough, by you know the end of the first season, there they were in their, their <laughs> plastic rubber-suited glory with the bug-eyed monsters. Um, you know, so certain things kind of had to be give and take. But I think the biggest thing that set the whole thing apart was how they handled the the sickness of the the actor William Hartnell was the first doctor right and how they handled his personal illness uh to remove him from this this show they had a star of the show that this this hit machine that was, a, it was growing and, and after 3 years it was this huge thing and to have the main actor say I can't do this anymore and they're like well are we going to lose this and somebody came up with the brilliant idea of saying well the doctor is an alien so, how about we make it a special thing that when when the doctor's about to die or he's he's really really sick, he can he can renew himself. They didn't use the word regeneration yet. They said renew himself and it changes his appearance slightly cuz all of his physiognomy kind of gets shifted around and whatnot. And and we can put a different actor in the part. And it was completely unheard of. You know, it was it was almost I mean looking back it's yeah. it seems like a stroke of brilliance. It does. And it you know? is. And you know, I mean, you can you can go ahead. Well, James Bond over the past fifty years, they've had different actors play the part, but it's always been the same person. You know, it, it, it's funny when you see the memes popping up saying, "Oh yeah, well, James Bond's a time lord." But no, you know, it's it's you see recasting <laughs> and you see different shifting and whatnot. But this is fundamentally supposed to be the same person, just with a different appearance, a different, slightly different take, and it's allowed the show to kind of reboot itself repeatedly over the years. Thirteen men have now played the the part on TV. On television, there's also been uh, the Day of the Doctor. There's, William Hurt. Well, he's one of the thirteen in my in, oh, in, in my your head. opinion. Yeah, in, in and head, sorry. Um, and uh, and then well, Peter Cushing played the Doctor in two movies back in the '60s that the BBC had put together, which were almost kind of like they're unrelated. The the Doctor in in those movies was not a, he was a human. He was not an alien from a different planet. He was a, an inventor who came up with his own uh, time machine. And then there was a stage play. Uh, in the late 60s, early 70s, no, early 70s. And the doctor was played by a, a fellow named Trevor Nunn, uh, who was a British act, character actor in, in the Shakespearean theater. And then there's been other, there's been like one-offs, and then there's been the the, the comic relief. Um, I can't think of the, the name of it, but Rowan Atkinson had played the, the no. part at one really? point. Really? Oh, yeah. It, it was just, it was like Mr. basically Bean. a parody. What's that, Sibs? Mr. Bean. 
Mr. Bean. Yeah, Mr. Bean. <laughs> uh, it was it was one of those like um, you know like how uh, Robin Williams and and uh, Billy Crystal and, and Whoopi Goldberg had comic relief. Mm-hmm. Well, the British had their own version of it, and so Rowan Atkinson played the Doctor in a parody, mm-hmm. just to kind of like do. And then what was happening is the Doctor kept getting killed. He was rolling through regeneration, so other British actors were coming out. Uh, you know, Jim Broadbent, uh, Hugh Grant, uh, Alan. Um, can't think of his name right now. Uh, but he's he's played a couple of parts in recent Doctor Who episodes. Anyway, and then it ended up with Joanna Lumley from uh, from Absolutely Fabulous <laughs> oh. uh, playing playing one of the final incarnations of the Doctor, and he's like, oh wow, look at this, you know, and, and so that. But um, it, it created this whole thing of regeneration, and so William Hartnell steps down. Patrick Trotton comes in, and you got to think the weight of the world on, is on this man's shoulders. Patrick Trotton, you know, how do you carry an entire franchise on your shoulders with this? Fr- this freak thing, you know, that you know nobody knows if this is going to work or not, and and he just he pulled it off, and it, you see, it, it this show has now just spins that traction has been dug in, and it's off and off and running, and then since then you've had John Pertwee, and Tom Baker, and yes, I'm going to go through all of them: Peter Davidson, Colin Baker, Sylvester McCoy, Paul McGann, John Hurt, who is now snuck in, uh, that which was a nice little twist: Christopher Eccleston, um, David Tennant, Matt Smith, and now Peter Capaldi. So, and that's a, see, I did that. You did do that. I did do that. Uh, I practiced. Yeah, I'll, I'll well, admit. Can, Takes a lot can of practice. I hop back in, to your initial thing. Cool. You said Sydney Newman. Sydney Newman. You said female. Verity Lambert was female. Oh, Sydney Verity Newman Lambert. was he's, her boss. Oh, okay. Because yeah, I, I was like going. I'm like, eh, no, it says that he's male. I yeah, didn't get I the. I didn't get the other part. Yeah. So I was a little discombobulated. So just checking for the 50th anniversary. Um, I, yeah. Okay. They did uh they did that uh, Adventures in Time and Space where they showed the it was basically they did a dramatization this a story about the creation and you know of Doctor Who and they had um Brian Cox the uh, the character actor play Sidney Newman and it was dead on I mean the man the, the mustache and everything if you put a picture of Sidney Newman next to a picture of Brian Cox playing Sidney Newman oh, okay. it was uncanny it was st- I was just a little confused for a second there it, now, it could be that I can't hear very much I've read that uh, sixty three of the early episodes. If they don't exist anymore, right? Because oh, yeah. the BBC there... had this whole thing about recycling, uh, recycling film, and because uh, the first two doctors, the first six years of the show were were shot on on film, so they would recycle it, not realizing what hit they had on their hands. Uh, so they didn't have archives and records like we do today, and a lot of the the serial episodes um, are are now missing because yeah, of that. Ninety seven of them missing. Yeah, and and now to put it in perspective, it's not ninety seven entire stories because it was episodic serial television. So the very first ep- uh, very first show, the Unearthly Child, was actually split up into uh, six different episodes, like twenty minutes to a half an hour apiece, much like our podcasts. And um, <laughs> and so what would happen is you know you have those six different pieces of film, those six different episodes, mm-hmm. and a couple of them. We're lost. Mm-hmm. Now, as a huge, the huge fan you are, mm-hmm. does that drive you insane? It's a little disappointing because I'd like to see more. I'd like to know more about the history of the show, you know. And now, admittedly, with, because the 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 show was split into, it's been split in two. Mm-hmm. All right, you had the classic series that went from 1963 to 1986 before it was eventually canceled by the head of uh, head of BBC drama, this guy Michael Grade, who is like he's. He's the Moriarty of of the Doctor Who classic dun, fandom. Dun, dun. Yeah, um, he had he had his uh, his heart set on, on getting rid of that show, and he succeeded. But anyway, and then there was this 19 year lapse where there was nothing. There was the American produced one episode of the Eighth Doctor, Paul McGann, um, that Fox TV did. And you know, say what you want about Fox, and I really will. Um, 
it was decent for what it did, and then it went quiet again. And then in 2005, the BBC stepped up uh, with Russell T. Davies as the executive producer and, and main writer, and and they restored, they brought the the show back to life. And it's really to to say it's had traction would be a severe understatement. So when you have this this breath of history, I, I always like to be able to look back and see where it started. I've been watching the show since I was eight. And That's I, I was going to ask. I'm always interested in, mm-hmm. in the stuff people become fans of Mm -hmm. and how did you be you're the biggest fan in this room right now i I love it but we all we're all fans as far as i know Mm -hmm. but you are the uber fan of this show in this room right now yeah this this is my thing how did you become the big fan of this show and i have an engineer behind me or it's it's wayne Wayne. oh it's wayne wayne i didn't see him in the shadows wayne stock wayne's world wayne's world how you doing big man did we leave you out in the cold? I had no way to get in. Oh, no. Oh, no. Sorry, brother. Who eventually let you in? I have no idea. Oh, someone did, though. Well, we're glad you're here. We're talking about Doctor Who right now. Okay. And uh And Billy Sorry. was... No, it's all right. And and Billy was asking me... Um, <laughs> how did you become a fan? How did I become a fan? What, what age? Like, how did you come across it? I was eight years old when it happened. And I was... My, my parents raised me on PBS, Channel 21, WXXI okay. in Rochester. And and at the time they were still rerunning the third Doctor John Pertwee. Six thirty, six the six thirty on uh, every day. Exactly, and it was so it was the early afternoon. So as an eight year old kid, I had an opportunity to run across it. See, and that, that's what what I'm curious about mm-hmm. is because I think I started I I didn't watch it, but like I came across it. Mm-hmm. My brother used to watch it occasionally, and the six to six thirty or six thirty to seven somewhere yeah. in that, on PBS, and I believe Tom Baker. Was the guy, but it was the first run. Would that have been like seventy five ish? Yeah. Well, he was uh, Tom Baker 76. was. Yeah. yeah Tom yeah. Baker was Doctor from seventy four to eighty one. Okay, so in that period, I saw the original. Yes. Episodes. Most of most, like, most, yeah. most Americans they saw Tom Baker. And then okay. you were what you were seeing in that at that that early evening block, you were seeing the serial because they were only showing them one episode at a time. Half hour. Yeah, the half hour episodes. With the cliffhangers. Exactly. With the cliffhangers in in place. So to to go full circle on your question, Mm -hmm. um, I just remembered, I can remember it in my head, the very first episode I ever saw was a John Pertwee episode and I can't remember which one it was, but it was was the master was involved. The master who would go on to be the ultimate nemesis of, of the doctor. Probably Roger Delgado. I yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. It was Roger Delgado. Um, and and uh, I was just watching these two people interact, and I wasn't quite understanding it, but it looked cool. And, and then there were bug-eyed monsters showing up, and then the doctor had his sonic screwdriver, and things were happening, and then all of a sudden the, the master is rolling. You know, he's being led off in a, in a hovercraft at the end of the episode, making it look like he just pulled one over. And I just remember being fascinated by it. Mm-hmm. And then the doctor goes, and he, he's going off and doing his thing, and... And you see the TARDIS, but in the the John Pertwee era, he spent most of that. The, the, the character was they, they exiled in Earth. Up. Yeah, yeah. They, they exiled him to Earth. So his his people had said, "You know, you're not going anywhere." So you don't see the TARDIS doing anything other than standing in the corner. But it kind of caught my. I remember it catching my attention, and I remember you know taking the time to try and watch it on a regular basis, and and then it disappeared, unbeknownst to me at nine years old, eight nine years old, that they had at that point started shifting everything into the late Saturday night. Which, you know, that's the big thing that WXXI did is they would put all of the episodes together. You would have your Doctor Who full movies. Mm-hmm. All right. So all six episodes laced together in one big package and they would start at 11 o'clock Saturday night. And and I think that's another reason why it became so special to me is that when I was like 10, 11, 12 you years old, I got to stay up late. 
on a Saturday night. Oh, wow. That which you know in the in the late seventies, early eighties didn't happen often. Yeah. You know now my kids they're teenagers and they're up till two o'clock in the morning doing homework. I can't stop that. But my my parents were always very well. Okay, you can go ahead and stay up to watch. My, I remember my mom saying it. You can stay up to watch your show, and then it was like. Oh, it's mine. Yeah, that's right. This is my thing. So and I'm all giddy and excited and stuff. And I'm sitting there and I got my popcorn and I got my my juice and I'm ready to go. And here we go. And and then that's when I was introduced to Tom Baker, because that's really when they started bringing in the fourth doctor was those Saturday night, 11 o'clock festivals, in essence. And, and those are the ones that they're rerunning right now. Yes. Yeah. And, us, and us millennials awesome. don't get that uh, that same like connection to shows, because if we miss a show, we can just like Hulu it. We can Hulu it. We can Netflix it. Mm-hmm. We can uh, uh, go online to like the show's website and watch it on the website. Mm-hmm. Except for Doctor Who, because a lot right, of stuff you can't do it for Doctor Who. You can't Who. do it because yeah. a lot of Not stuff anymore. isn't around on Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. But Maybe I've managed to collect episodes, quite a bit yeah. of it over the years. I, I think I have. <laughs> really? I have a, the bulk of it on my computer at this point. In, Say it isn't so. In, in uh, MP4 files and stuff. So everything DVDs that's been and, found. Everything that's been found, I, I pretty much have at this stage. And if, too bad the listeners can't really see how giddy you are I know. right now. It's like a kid at Christmas. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, talking about Chris this. is jumping out of his seat. He is. He's <laughs> dancing. I'm, I'm jigging in this seat. I, I'm. I, this is like. This is my thing. This is like. This one is your thing. To be honest. And I, I thank you. The bot. The bottom line of it. The, I think the reason I threw my hat in the ring to help out with FC3 to create this convention was for the opportunity to finally to meet like Doctor Who people. That was really that's that, Yeah. Hoobians. Seriously. Yeah. I, yeah, that, you turned me into one a couple years ago. I did. You did. You resisted. I, I was resisting. Very you resisted. You were not really. Resistant. By the way, you were not. It was not strong resistance. I'm no, going to say. Well, it was, was very easy like to twist your arm. Resistance was futile. It, I just, have you gone back to watch the older episodes, I have or did not. you see that? That's interesting. Is yeah, that? That was the one because I I do recall when I was younger catching it on PBS mm-hmm. and going, "What the heck is this thing?" And uh-huh. I, and just turning it because at that point. Being eight, nine, ten years old, it really didn't grab my attention. Whereas Star Trek did, mm-hmm. because my dad was a huge Star Trek fan. So, being an only child, I had only control of the TV when my parents had control of the TV. So, I didn't really get it. And I, so, I haven't warmed to the uh, older episodes. I go back and look at them on PBS, and mm-hmm. I enjoy them. But it, it, it was I, a, I don't it was like them. I, yeah, I think that's what turned well, me off for the longest time. Going. Eh. It, Here's the thing: is is think of the production value we're used to mm-hmm. in, in the in the 21st century now. <laughs> think of what we're used to. Think of what they've been able to do with the new Doctor Who series. Yes, and with special effects and whatnot. And then, and sometimes it's still sort of crappy. Well, yeah, but on purpose crappy. Yeah. it seems. Yeah. Now, in, cheesy. In, I say in the modern era cheesy. with with New Who, you have these 45 minute episodes. It's a tight story. Yeah. It's a tight package, and sometimes they're two parters. Sometimes they're three parters. Sometimes there's an arc in the background. But like it's, the first season of um, Eccleston, mm-hmm. it was the whole season. Yeah, the whole Bad Wolf thing was all throughout the whole season. But they, they were also inter- independent stories. They're independent stories, but, but they were they had laced the thread. Yeah. Of Bad Wolf all the way through. Now take that and and like a, a Doctor Who season nowadays is thirteen episodes typically. Mm-hmm. All right, so a very tight story, forty five minutes. Everything gets handled within that forty five minutes. Sometimes there's a part two, sometimes there's a part three. Go back to classic Who. That was traditional Saturday afternoon serial television. Each each overall story arc was split into 25 to 30 minute episodes. And there was usually only like 4 to 6 of those. Exactly. And that 4 was to it. 6. But here's the thing is you're you're more guilty of finding yourself having to fill the space. 
So, like, for instance, there's a Tom Baker episode, The City of Death, and it's set in Paris, and there's one episode, and my hand to God, there's one of, one of, one of the episodes of, of uh, City of Death, there is at least half of it is Tom Baker in full costume walking through the streets of Paris with that silly-ass background music. Yeah. All right? And it's just him walking from point A to point B. And, they, and they because had, they're they trying money, to fill, they had money that season so they could yeah, go to Paris. Exactly. <laughs> so you know they're they're basically filling the time up. Now in in current new who as they've been calling it lately, you're not going to see stuff like that. You're going to see the doctor go, I have to be here. So he's going to walk out the room and the next scene he's going to be walking into the other place. Right. You know there might be a little snippet of travel depending on you know on scene changes and whatnot. But they did a lot of that. Throughout all of Doctor Who's history, there was sometimes you had to fill the time because you're this serial episodic television. You had to make sure the space was filled. Nowadays, I'd, I'd say we can do this whole we can do a podcast about modern television, how they're you know changing the paradigm of you know it's episodic and season television and things like that, and how they tell stories and whatnot. But back in the day, this is how it went. And, uh, and so you had to deal with the fact that there's times where you're going to be watching Doctor Who and you're going to be bored off your butt. That's all there's well, to like, like I said, Chris. it. Was, yeah. it, was, um, it was a kid show. Well, wait. Go ahead. It was a kid show. It was. They weren't expect. Nowadays, mm-hmm. it's big budget and it makes a lot of money for the BBC. Yeah, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Go ahead, Tony. Out of curiosity, do you think that uh, Doctor Who has become more whimsical as time has gone on? I think it's fluctuated over time. It really did. It's kind of mirrored the sensibilities of, of the era that it's in. Um, like... You know, we've we in previous podcasts we've talked about how comic books were just you know they could be bordering on the silly, um, you know, and I think that in a lot of the early episodes of Doctor Who, especially like in the William Hartnell area, there was just a lot of there was some silly silly moments because again, like Wayne has pointed out, it was a kids show. Oh yeah. Um, and then when you got up to like Colin Baker's Sixth Doctor, which I oh, thought the, Col- the key to, not the key to time, it was the um, key to time was Tom Baker time trial Lord. of a Time Lord. Um, and I think what was you were seeing that whole. That garish '80s obnoxiousness, and and you also see the influence of of a drama department at BBC that wanted to try and kill the show off. Yes. So I mean, you know, when you're when you're in the moment, a lot of people blame Colin Baker for the failure of of the Sixth Doctor, but really, the man is a great actor and a and a hell of a human being. He was doing the best he could with what he was given, and they were giving mm-hmm. him crap intentionally to try and kill the show off. So when you're when you have that kind of a situation, you see. Not so much an edginess that we would talk about in today's television, but an edginess in terms of um, it just it was almost it's almost like a monument to how weird the 80s were. And you, you won't ever be able to appreciate and that, it was Tony. Also that but trust me when I tell you, you didn't miss much. The BBC <laughs> didn't care that in America it was going gangbusters. They didn't care. Yeah, they didn't it was like it was like this is for us. We don't mm-hmm. care what the United States. We don't yeah. care. Those darn Yanks. Well, that's the thing is, is it when when it was restored in 2005? The yes. there was a much more modern outlook on it. They realized this is going to be global, and as soon as as soon as David Tennant's doctor started taking off mm. in in the United States, yeah, Tanya, Tanya, <laughs> we know who Tanya's favorite doctor is. And John okay. Barrowman, yeah, yeah. he's add not a, a doctor, ja- but damn, I'll add, take him. Too. Add, add a Captain Jack, and you're, <laughs> you're off Jack. and running. You're going yeah. to get you're going to get oh. fangirls and some fanboys. Um, lots of them. Lots of them. I've met more than one, uh, more than my fair share of Whovians on campus. There you go. Oh, yeah. Sybil, what was your earliest memory of, of Doctor Who, honey? It was sitting in the living room at home with my dad watching it at night. And it, you're, the classics, it, right? It, 
Yep, the classics. It's uh, Tom uh, Tom Baker. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of Tom Baker because I mean, by the time I was born, it was done. Okay. So it was it was all the it was it was just playing again by the time you know I was starting to watch it. And uh-huh. My dad had remembered it from when he was a kid, and he's big on sharing the stuff that he liked as a child with you know all of us kids. Yeah. And so, so that's what he did, and he's like, this is the kind of stuff I enjoyed as a kid, so you'll like it too. <laughs> um, and sure enough, we did. I absolutely loved it. And then when I saw that it came back in 2005, I was like, oh, my God, th- th- where has this been? I thought it was gone. And uh-huh. it's, ju- it's just been fantastic, you know, getting back into the characters and and everything. And it's just, it's just it's great that they were able to actually – finally find somebody to bring such a classic show back mm-hmm. and just reinvent it. How about you, Dee? Do you, do you, I don't think you were ever an avid watcher of it, but do you kind of, what's your earliest memories of it? <clears throat> um, it would be um, XXI, Late Night, mm-hmm. you know. It, was, it wasn't Brian around. and I traipsing around school with our scarves? Well, that was, you know, <laughs> like, what is that scarf? And then it was, you know, you check it out later. Oh, this is what they're into. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really, you know, I, I've seen none of the new episodes whatsoever. Wow. Uh, we'll have to it. remedy that. Because they really are good. <laughs> they are good. It's, it's. I think I've only been watching those for a year now, maybe two. Okay. It was during, you know, I usually take off the week between Christmas and New Year's. Same and here. Susan and I were looking for something to watch. And I, you know, I hear this doctor who's real good. <laughs> uh, a friend of mine, uh, it, we'd interviewed Billy Piper on, on we Oh, my show. God. <laughs> she was promoting that call girl show yeah. she was doing. Diaries and, of a call girl. Yeah. yeah. So, Not and, a children's show. So my, my buddy Rich my buddy Rich had called in and mentioned how much he liked Doctor Who. You know, maybe we'll check out Doctor Who. Uh-huh. And look, we just wound up binge watching the whole Eccleston yeah. uh, run and then into the Tenant. Uh-huh. You know, and and Eccleston only had one year. That's right. And he was so good. Do you think Eccleston's run is sort of underrated? Well, I he, do. He wanted to only, he only won it one he year. Only, yeah, he signed he on for one. And then there was a big political cock up in the background of that one that it, I, I think I think they would have successfully talked him into a second one had they handled it differently but I think he got shafted by a couple of people and that really kind of irked him he's become the Tom Baker of the modern era because when Tom Baker was done with the part he avoided it like the plague he didn't come back for the 20th anniversary he didn't want anything to do he has since rethought that he yeah. has become involved oh, yeah. you know as an ambassador and he's done you know uh, audiobooks and things well, like that. Well, he was doing, there was a se- series of commercials for prime computers in the 80s. Oh, I remember that. With him and Romana, well, his then, his then wife, Lala, Romana. Yeah, it was uh, Lala Ward. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and he was a, he was a doctor. So he was running yeah. around as a doctor. Yeah, and but, you know, he really kind of washed his hands of it overall other than to make a couple of extra bucks on the side. Yeah. And, and... So He's that still became the most fam- he favorite is. doctor for Americans oh, tons, right now. Tons. But then, you know, Christopher Eccleston, I think he's become kind of that figure for the modern era. He came, he did his part, he set the ball rolling again. I think he did a fantastic job. I agree with, uh, well, Billy said, you know, underrated. I, I agree, underrated, because I think he did a lot better of a job. If he would have had more time. If he had more time, it would have been, I think he would have seen something really special out of that. Um, but he did it, he stepped back. And, and for me, it was nobody advertised a regeneration scene. All right. So at the end of, of uh, Parting of Ways, mm-hmm. when he's giving, you know, he's absorbed the time vortex from, from Rose and, and, you know, he looks like he's dying. And, and the, my, the gears in the back of my head are whirling like, oh, my God, are we going to see this? 
I, you know, I remember I was sitting there watching this on my computer with my, my kids were very small at the time, but they were into it. They were watching it and they were starting to understand that something was different was happening. And, and my wife had been, it was sitting next to me. She was watching it and never knew anything of the legacy of Doctor Who and how the doctor regenerates and changes from actor to actor. And I'm like, at this moment in time, I'm caught in this, like, I'm going to let this play out and see what happens. I think I know what's about to happen, but nobody has said anything. And he was only given 13 regenerations. Yeah. That was it. And I love how they came around. They, they figured that oh, out. you knew they had to. Yeah, they had to figure they, that they one out. They had to give them more. So, so all of a sudden... Christopher Eccleston just spasms, the, the special effects erupts, mm-hmm. and all hell breaks loose, and, and then there's David Tennant. And I, I remember my, my wife, Erica, she grabs me by the shoulder, and she's like, what just happened? What was that? What just happened? What was going on here? And my son, who was sitting in my lap, he was, he was born in, so he was like two and a half years old. Not really. He's like, hey, hey, that's, that's he, he was like recognizing that something weird and wild just happened. It was very cool to watch everybody's reaction to that when they weren't ready for what was about to come. And, and so for me, who, who kind of understands the dynamics of this show, for me, it was, it was awesome to see as, as a fan to see, okay, the show is setting its, its mark. It's going to continue to grow. It's going to continue on regardless of who's in the part, as, as it always has. And But to see new people and their reactions to it, it was just phenomenal for me. I got I the biggest know. kick it'll, out of that. It will depend on if Moffat stays. Moffat's not staying, though. He's already said that Series yeah. 10 is his, le- his end. I know, but it'll. It, he's always been the driving force behind the, the 10 seasons. Well, so, you know, even when Russell Davies was the, the main showrunner, yes. Moffat was behind him. And, you know, I honestly, as much as I—I'm I'm, going to say it. I mean, there's a lot of people out there who have not liked what Moffat has done since he took over as showrunner. I am going to be contrary to that. I like a lot of the story arcs that he has brought to life. I like the characters that he has brought to life. I like what he has written. Um, he was behind Blink, wasn't he? I think so. Yeah, and, and that's hands down one of the best episodes of the of I was, was going to ask. I was, I was thinking about my favorite episodes, mm-hmm. and Blink is absolutely one of mine. Dang it's sure crazy. It's, out, it's outstanding. Yes. I mean, the tension that is built, and then my favorite and, part and of it. And it's a Doctor Who light episode. It is. It's not... Much of the doctor or mm-hmm. or companion, but he, he has a, he he got a timey wimey detector and it goes ding when there's stuff, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> hey, hey Chris, I got a couple yeah. of questions. Go ahead, for D. You. Um, do you why do you think Tom Baker had the longest run as Doctor Who? I think it was just a fluke. He just was enjoying the part so much. He was enjoying uh-huh. the celebrity. He was en- as an actor, you have a steady gig, you know. Yeah, and and. Uh, I think he was just having the best time, and he realized. They even kind of make a note of it in, in Legopolis. His his last episode, the doctor says something about basically has he's stuck around too long. Um, so I think towards the end of that last season, he realized that he really had kind of overstayed his welcome just a little bit. But uh-huh. he really did just. It was a great run for him. He enjoyed being the part, and you know, and and for an actor, steady work I think is just a, it's a bonus. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Yeah. I think that was the biggest thing that, that held him in, in play. Mm-hmm. And the next question, all the doctors have been male. Yes. Oh, you're, I know what this is going. With, you know, you have Ray in Star Wars. Uh-huh. You had Janeway. Uh-huh. You know, you've got all that. Janeway don't count. Hey. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> We're going to hold that one for another day. Let's hold that one for another day. Let her finish her question. <laughs> Catherine Deneuve would have been better. Do you ever see a day where there's a female doctor? Yes. I think so. All right. <laughs> Wayne says yes. For, for that moment, the part of Chris is being played by Wayne. Um, no, and, and Wayne, if it happens, 
I'll be okay with it. Yeah. Okay. okay. But to answer Deanna's question, my personal, and I'm going to say preference, my apologies, my apologies to the women, my personal preference is no. Um, because I think what I think the doctor has always stood as this particular, you know, like fatherly figure. And I, and I get, you know, a motherly figure is just as fine. And, and like I said, if but they the do it. the master's now a woman. Which I think is, is their, tri- their tip of the hat to that. You know, the, in, in one, of the, uh, the, one of the last episodes. And Helen of, Mirren wants to be the doctor. Oh. I would be okay with that. Oh, my God. Um, that would be so awesome. And I have a hard time happen? answering this question because I don't want to sound sexist. Sexist. Because I'm not. I'm, I, I mean, like I said, if it happens, I'm going to be perfectly okay with it. But my preference would be that it doesn't happen. Because Doctor Who is great about making social commentary, and it can do that by bringing different stories, different people. It can shuffle mm-hmm. people around, and having that consistent figure in the middle is going to hold it all together, in my opinion. So my preference is that it doesn't happen. However, if it does, I'm not going to – it depends on who they cast. I mean, if they put Lady Gaga in, I'm going to have a big old freaking problem with that. <laughs> you know, you know, it would have to be point. someone British. It, it would, just well, like, absolutely. Just yeah. like when they were doing Harry Potter and they wanted to make it American. Right. Oh, God, no, no, no. When, <laughs> oh, no. when, when the Americans get involved in Doctor Who, things get really weird. Um, oh, you and mean then, the uh, uh, Paul McGann. Paul McGann's, yes. yeah. Um, Drive by shooting no. when he lands in uh, oh, L.A. Yeah, I can't even. I can't even. And then what they did with Torchwood with uh, Miracle like Day and Children of Earth. Oh, it was just like how much dark is like Torchwood had always been dark, and then it's how much darker can we make it, and then can we make it even darker than that? And then, and then can we make it corny dark? It was just you know the American way of doing no. things sometimes is not quite exactly the way I would do. So I hope I answered your question. You did. I did. And, and I think I get it because this character was created, like you said, is that grandfatherly figure, that fatherly mm-hmm. figure, mm-hmm. as like an overseer and a protector. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying women can't protect, but there's just an stereotype, call it what you want, Mm -hmm. but it's always that man protecting. Yeah, or or guiding or teaching. But, you know, and and we can get in and out of that. And I really, I hate to, I don't want to go too far into that because I don't want to sound like I'm closed off on on certain things because I'm really not. But it's just, this is like that one thing that would be my preference. Mm-hmm. Anyway, like I said, this is a foundation conversation. It's a show that's lasted longer than well, even Star Trek in some regards. And and so you really can't do it justice in a half an hour. Uh, so we're going to be coming I think back. We, I think we got to do more. We're going to do more. Definitely more do Doctor more. Who. We're definitely going to do some more Doctor Who. This is just the, the ground Because work. I still, like... I still have favorite episodes, that, mm-hmm. and everybody does. Everybody does. We'll dinosaurs on a spaceship. That oh Tony, Tony, whenever we talk about Doctor Who, Tony is going to bring dinosaurs on a spaceship. I up. have to. It's my right. favorite episode. Like, like for me, the last five to ten minutes of Vincent. Oh my is god! The best yes. TV Vincent, ever. Vincent and the Doctor, yeah. absolutely. Um, of the new Who, uh, my favorite episodes have been Blink, Vincent, uh, and 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 I even. Uh, the, the the 50th anniversary special. Oh yeah, day of the doc was it day or yeah, yeah I think it was day of the doctor. That was a good day of the doctor. I like that. I think and I think a lot of the day of the doctor for me was the run up to it. How they did those mini episodes. Oh, and, and the and five-ish the, doctors was pretty. good. The five-ish too. was hilarious. Yes. And and then the the Paul McGann tip yes. of the hat. Yes. I and I think that was a well deserved finally a chance to see the eighth doctor again. And no, he was it was like Paul McGann. Everybody was there. Yeah, everybody was in on it. And and then with the and, and I, it's spoiler city for this one, but at the end of of Day of the Doctor when when Matt Smith is alone with the painting 
and he and he's talking to himself about being the curator of a museum, and he says, "I could be the curator of this museum." And then you hear that voice, Sybil. You and I were in the room when that happened. Oh yeah. You know, and Erica did not understand the significance of it, but you and I heard that voice, that damn voice of Tom Baker, <sighs> that baritone, that rich. You know, it, it's just it's amazing that voice. And then he and, came out, and then he comes out, and we're. We, I think I was crying. I honestly think I, I mean I I'm not even ashamed to admit it. Hair on my mom's arm just goes Stand straight up. up. Yeah, and yeah. we because I. Sybil and I both gasped at the same time when we were watching that episode, and and that's just that tremendous moment. And I think that's what made the fiftieth the fiftieth one of my favorite episodes was that moment alone, just that 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 throwback to the perfect. It was the perfect tip of the hat to the classic era. Yep. So anyway, <clears throat> and then I can we go could to, go on forever. And we ever could go on forever, ever, and we're but... gonna we're gonna bring up some more podcasts about Doctor Who. We're gonna talk about. Uh, our favorite doctors. We're going to talk about companions. our favorite companions. We're going to talk mm-hmm. about our favorite enemies, favorite episodes. These are things we're going to talk about. And our listeners That's out right. there, we didn't even bring up the companions. We didn't. No, we so barely, didn't. Make barely sure touched that them. You send us messages on Facebook. We want to hear from our listeners. What you want us to continue to talk about about Doctor yep. Who? And your your favorite companions, your favorite doctors, your favorite episodes. We want to hear about all of them. We want to hear about where you think the show should go because we have our opinions on that too, especially with. You know, the upcoming transition from Steve Moffat, she's, he's going to be giving the show over to Chris Chibnall, uh, who ran Torchwood for a while and has had a couple of other very successful series on, on British television. But so Torchwood these are things, just got dark. It is very dark. Well, it's you not know for what? kids. No. We're going we're gonna, to, we can talk about how that has had an effect. And we can talk about the spinoff series, you know, Sarah Jane Adventures and this new one, Class, K- which I've not K-9. seen yet. K9, K-9 Adventures, K9 and Company. Class started yet? <laughs> Class has started. I haven't seen any of it uh, yet. Uh, everybody in Canada has, though. Okay. Well, good okay. for Canada. <laughs> Oh, Canada. Praise Canada. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so with that being said, we're going to close the TARDIS doors. We're going to throw the DBAT circuit on, and we're going to grind ourselves away for the for the afternoon. And we thank you yet again for listening to yet some more Monkey Business. This has been Monkey Business, a Mighty Monkey production. Mighty Monkey Productions of Rochester, New York. Creators and presenters of the Flower City Comic Con. Presenting their second show May 20th and 21st of 2017 at the Rochester Riverside Convention Center. Follow us on Facebook, www.facebook.com slash fc3rock. That song's never going to get old for me. No, Seriously. definitely not. No. Love it. I'll, I'll fall asleep to this tonight. <laughs> How about this song, Chris? Yay! <laughs> that song got old. <laughs> I'm going to fall asleep to this. <laughs> I'm not falling asleep to this one. That'll oh. just be coming through your dreams. I, I love you, Billy. I really I do. You need a nightmare. <laughs> You're lucky that you love Billy. Billy's lucky that you love him. <laughs>